Folks, I told you guys I had something about the heavy hitters. I got a doctor in the house. And this doctor has his magical hands and makes things look even better. Uh, and I'm so excited. I met him at a kid's party <laughs> over burgers, even burgers. And I'm so excited to have him on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I always want to highlight people who are doing great things and their stories. And people who you might heard about, now you know, put the face with the name. And I think this message will be talking to the, 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 the doctor right back at these messages. We made a pledge to do what's best for the health of our communities, and we continue to deliver on it every day for every one of our members. With access to a network of over 1 million providers, rewards for living healthy, and more care options than ever, we are Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield, and we are changing healthcare for all that we serve. At Care First, it's not just our name, it's our promise. Welcome to No Picks of the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I told you folks, we got the doctor in the house. And I got my guy, Mr. Dr. Balbar. How are you? Doing well, Aaron. Thank you for having me today. Oh, this is man, we've been trying to do this forever. You and I have been trying this is over, over a year. We've been yeah. trying to get this mix happen. And you're like, I'm ready to do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> so thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So tell people what you got going on. What, what kind of what kind of doctor you are? So I'm a facial plastic surgeon. My practice is located in Towson, and I primarily do facial aesthetic surgery, which uh, means basically cosmetic changes to the face, just above the neck. Okay. And I also do injectables and all that kind of stuff. So Botox and all that good stuff. Yeah, fillers, laser resurfacing, and all that stuff. And okay. I kind of I do it all myself, too, in the sense that I personally inject the patients and I do the lasers myself because I'm a really anal person <laughs> uh, i get it i get it i get it like so like you don't have the system doing it it's you yeah and the patients prefer that you don't you don't find that anymore anymore like most doctors like oh i'll be there i'll just oversee and watch it and my other person will take care you're like okay all right but i enjoyed the social aspect okay. every time you have an interaction with someone we talk about what's going on in the world what's going on in their life we pick up right where we left off the last time i saw them i love that i love hearing about that so let's get a little bit of background about you sure are you from maryland are you from this area Actually, I grew up in Maryland, but I grew up in a bunch of different places. Okay. So I was born in Pakistan, in Lahore. And then at age, my dad grew up reading Sears magazines. Okay. And he was like, wow, look at all these different things. And he wanted to give the kids more opportunity than what he saw there. So he eventually got a student visa to go to San Diego. So that's where I grew up uh, mm -hmm. for four years. And that was kind of interesting because I showed up and didn't know a lick of English <laughs> in the playground. And they thought I was Mexican. So they paired me with a Spanish-speaking kid. No. <laughs> so I came back home the first day very confused. <laughs> You're like, all right, I'm learning English, but now I'm learning Spanish. I, okay, knew hello and, I knew hello and thank you. And I came back with hola and gracias. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but, you know, it was great. I loved the diversity and the experiences I had in San Diego. And we were there for four years. And then we actually went back to Pakistan for a year. And then we came here to Columbia for Ellicott City, Maryland. And that's where I grew up. Okay. And then from there, like, what did, did, did your parents, were they in the medical, were they in any type of profession living here? Were they medical doctors? My, my dad was an engineer. Okay. Uh, he worked for uh, GE Healthcare. Oh, GE. That was yeah. big back in the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So whenever, actually, fast forwarding, whenever my kids are born and he goes to the hospital, he goes, oh, I helped with that incubator. I helped with that. I'm like, there's the kid. He goes, no, there's the incubator. I, <laughs> I love that. I love that. But he's, he's happy. He's proud of being yeah, a part of that. Exactly. And then my, and then my mom, 
was a trained nutritionist, okay. but she became a homemaker to gotcha. help raise us. Got you. Where'd you end up doing going your undergrad and grad? I did my undergrad at Princeton University, mm-hmm. and then I did medical school at Harvard Medical School. Okay. And like, did you, like, when did you know you wanted to be like a doctor? Like, was that something like growing up? Did you like, I mean, I think me and you were probably around the same age, I'm thinking. I remember Doogie Howser, MD. That was like the first like, oh, and stuff, things of that nature. But was, was there somebody that you saw like growing up that like, oh, that's pretty cool. I kind of want to do that. Like. So in our culture, that's a particular profession that's strongly encouraged. Okay. But I never had a passion for it growing up as a child or even in college. I had watched that movie Perfect Murder and I, the <laughs> Michael Douglas character. I want to be a stockbroker. <laughs> it looked really cool. So I was actually an economics major in college. Um, but then I also did EMT or emergency medical technician and ambulance stuff during college. And eventually during junior year, you kind of decide, am I going to do an internship in New York with, you know, J.P. Morgan and all yeah, that stuff. All and, and I just realized I couldn't sit behind a desk. I liked, again, the personal interaction, the hands-on stuff. And so I took a gap year, actually, between uh, college and then applying to med school. So I was in San Francisco for one year. Okay. And that's when slowly I started to develop my interest in medicine. That's interesting. That is so cool because it's always like, oh, I had somebody that was an uncle or aunt or somebody who was like, oh, you should become this or like that. And you being EMT at school is kind of like, oh, it's kind of cool. Like I kind of... I had an aunt that was a doctor and an uncle that was a doctor, but... That didn't inspire me right. to be a doctor per se. Got you, got you. And so, like, when you decided you're like, I want to go to medical school, uh, did you know what area did you want expertise in, or did you know where you wanted to be in, or I just wanted to make sure I knew all my anatomy. Okay, <laughs> it's a lot of information coming at you at once. Right. I had no idea what kind of doctor I wanted to be. I, I knew that I want, I liked a stressful, fast-paced kind of situations. Okay, and um, so. Maybe a primary care outpatient setting wasn't going to be the place for me per se, but right. I kept a very open mind. Okay, and it took till the very end to decide what I was going to be. Wow, that that's yeah. So you really were. Was it a late that you decided? Was it like a too late when you're major, or was it most people decided during the same time when you guys all decide at the same time, or is it mandatory? So the way med school works is the first year is uh, very much General. just yeah. yeah. You're in classroom setting and you're learning physiology, anatomy. Second year, it's more pathophysiology, like learning what bad stuff happens and how to handle it. Third year is clinical. And that's when you do your clinical rotations. And fourth year is when you subspecialize and figure out which rotations are you particularly interested in. And it's during that time that I decided, and that's when you apply for residency. Okay. And at that point, you were like, all right, I want to be a plastic surgeon. Is that where it came from? Or like, did you... How'd you go into that for us? So my residency was actually in otolaryngology, head and neck surgery. Say that, Aaron. I, I'm not even. A, I, I was like, you know what? You know what? You won. I'm not. Oda. I don't even. Say, just try it once for me. Or say it one more time. Otolaryngology. Otolaryngology. There you go. I'm not gonna ever say it again. But otolaryngology. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Doctor? So that's ENT or ear, nose, throat, okay. or head and neck surgery. So. That's what I applied into for okay. my residency. And that's ultimately leads into several subspecialties, including sinus surgery, ear surgery, or facial plastic surgery, which is my particular specialty. Wow. So, what, but what, like, what made you want to like do that? Like, what, like, what, what, what made you like want to like, all right, I want to help reconstruct or help something like change somebody's, help somebody's appearance? 
enhance it. How, what made you want to do that? Oh, so as far as facial plastic yeah, surgery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that was that something part of that or not really when you were in during med school? No, no, okay, okay, no, no, no. At that point, it was I liked that the fact that in this particular field you could fully manage a patient medically, uh. surgically, and evaluate them from. You didn't have to refer anybody to for this for the medical part or this for the surgical part, and I love the intricacy of the anatomy. The head and neck region is just absolutely beautiful and complex, and I enjoyed that aspect. The surgeries were varied. You could be holding a scope, looking at a screen. You could be under a microscope, or you could have someone's neck completely open, looking at the carotid and jugular. So <laughs> that was incredible to me. Yeah, I have uh, I my only ear not ear nose and throat story would be <clears throat> I have sinuses and um sinus problems and then I was twenty no twenty five or twenty six years old and they had to take my tonsils out. And let me tell you <laughs> I thought I was strong. That you know how sometimes they're like, listen to your doctor and you're like, Your doctor doesn't really know everything. And I remember with surgery, uh, with Doctor G at GBMC. Who was your doctor? I couldn't, if I told you right now, I'd be lying to you. I couldn't tell you. That's how, that's how long ago it was. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know on the, on the back end. And he was like, you're going to feel like hell for like 10 days. Or it was like a long time. And I was like, there's no way. And they're like, because you're older, it's worse. And I remember I stayed at my parents' house. And my parents were like, come to South Carolina with us. You can ride in the car. And I was like, I can't do anything. They're like, we don't want to leave you home by yourself. I'm like, I'm good for the first couple of days. I'm fine. When they left, I slept in the bed probably of a 24-hour day, 18 hours. It was the pain, most painful thing I've ever had where I just I lost weight, which was a good thing for that. But <laughs> but I just couldn't eat anything. I, didn't, I My appetite was gone. Sure. You probably know since mm-hmm. you dealt with that. That's, that's my only story for that. That's all I got. Well, that's a, yeah, tonsillectomy is a very painful <sighs> surgery, but most people are grateful for when they have it. Right, right. And I, now I have to go. Actually, it's funny. I have to get a new one. It's funny you say that because I have to get a new ear, nose, and because now my hearing, my nasals is all messed up. So I got to figure that out. Figure it out. <laughs> we'll do that on the last end. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that. End. So, so you went through all. So you went through that. And then when you graduated, what did you, what was your first assignment? At so, the, so after, after med school, we mm-hmm. do residency uh-huh. and uh, you apply. So I traveled all across the country okay. applying at different places. And the way it works for residency is you rank the different programs yeah. and then they rank you. And there's a quote-unquote match that takes place. Mm-hmm. And I got picked to come to Johns Hopkins. There you go. Yeah. And that's where, is that where you wanted to go? It was my, it was my number two choice, actually. Uh, I, was, I was hoping you were saying it. Yeah. What, was your number, what was your number so one choice? I grew up in the, near the Baltimore area. Right. And I, I was like, I swore I would never come back. Right. It's most people say. They don't want to come back. What was your number one choice? It was to stay at Harvard. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. So, yeah. And so you're like, all right, so you want to stay in Boston. That's yeah, what, just that's, a creature of comfort. Right, right. Were, was your family happy that you were coming back home? Well, I mean, that was the issue. You can't say no. So that's, I didn't want to rank Hopkins too in that regard. <laughs> but, but, but it's a great program. It's one of the world's best. And my family's here, so you couldn't say no. So <laughs> there I was coming to Baltimore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Only on notebooks here, Dark, you're here. That's my phone, sorry. Only on notebooks here, Dark, you're here. Hopkins is number two. <laughs> I love it. So from there, you did residency, and how'd that go from here? How'd that go? So I lived in mainly in Canton the majority of the time. Had a good time. It's a great time. Learned a tremendous amount by world class surgeons. Great mentorship. 
great life experiences, maturity and everything like that. And then I decided I had a few mentors in the facial plastic surgery field, mm. uh, specifically uh, Dr. Patrick Byrne and Dr. Kofi Boahin. And I really got attracted to the field of facial plastic surgery. Mm. And I, you know, it's, I've seen wonders. I have good friends who have got, who are in bad accidents. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the wonders of white. They pretty much did it. I, I call you guys artists. You're the artists of, of, of the surgery, of, of the doctors in the world. You, and my one friend had a huge scar from a car accident and they just made him look almost 95% look how he looked before. And so I commend you on all that stuff, like things of that nature. Oh, it's, it's such a varied field. I didn't had no idea. Meaning you can go from reconstruction where people have the majority of their jaw or face removed and you're reconstructing it from their leg or from their arms. It's explain that, explain that real quick because I know you're going to really rewind that. How sure. would you use the skin from the other well, part or? So, so the head and neck is a very complex area. Okay. So let's say you have a cancer of the jaw. All right. So that's bone and it spreads to the soft tissue, which is the mucosa or your cheek area, and that has to be removed. So there's a big hole in your face. Mm -hmm. So how are you gonna fix that? You just can't put skin there. No. You have to reconstruct that. So what you actually do is take your fibula, portion of your fibula, which is a bone down in your leg, mm -hmm. you take associated muscle mm -hmm. with it, you may take associated skin with it, and you move it all the way up here, and you use plates to reconstruct the bone, the soft tissue. Wow. And, and then you have to, but the intricate part is actually this is living tissue, so you actually take the vessels from there and connect them to the vessels in the head and neck, so it becomes living tissue on your face. And that's called okay. free flap surgery. Wow, see, see, that's what I paid eight bucks, because doc, <laughs> I don't, I did never think anything like that, and wow, that's interesting. That's yeah, very interesting. so it's totally incredible, and that's just a portion of the reconstruction. Um, facial skin cancers are very prevalent nowadays, as people are learning more about, you know screening and such and often portions are removed which le can lead to a significant hole in your face and you have to reconstruct those in re intricate ways after it's Mohs surgery is typically what's done to remove the cancer and you do some reconstruction to to recreate the deficit so that's also very interesting there's trauma you know you can have anything from blunt trauma from a car accident to shooting victims and all that stuff you've seen mm. facial transplant patients and such so that's also a portion of it then you get into some of the art not not necessarily artistic but more the aesthetic stuff as far as nose reshaping surgery aging face surgery um gender affirmation surgery so the the, the field is very varied wow and um even within a sub such a subspecialty of facial plastic surgery people are subspecialized within that wow. whether they subspecialize in gender affirmation or they're a rhinoplasty expert or an aging face expert so it's pretty cool i love i love learning about this what we're going to do is take a quick break mm -hmm. on the other side of the break we're going to talk about when you want to start your own business sure like in this what were you nervous what was it were you nervous about putting your name out there being that person and now it's like this is my business this, this is how i'm running it We'll sure. be, we write back at these messages, folks. Are you or someone you love in need of mental health support? For All Seasons is now offering same-day therapy appointments with no wait list. Through the For All Seasons open access program, you can walk in for mental health services and begin therapy in the same visit. For All Seasons accepts all insurances and provides financial assistance if you need it. For therapy, psychiatry, or victim support, we have appointments available today. Call For All Seasons, 410-822-1018. 
you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help someone find, interview for, and get hired for a job and provide follow-up services for success. It can break down educational barriers and give that extra help to a struggling student with in-school support programs. Give today. Spark something bigger. And folks, we are back. Uh, this is this is a spirited discussion. I'm talking about things coming out to your foot and coming into your face. And I mean, it's I, I'm loving this, Doctor Babar. Thank you so much again for hanging out and just educating me and the audience about what you do, how you've gotten to where you've gotten. Here's the question: Now, you have your own business. How did we get there? I mean, how long did you work? with somebody or with another practice before you got your own business? So that's a great question. And that's where the story goes from Baltimore to where I moved to Carmel, Indiana. Okay. So I did a fellowship. So I did a fellowship in facial plastic surgery with a gentleman named Dr. Steve Perkins. And there I learned how to start my own practice. Mm. And at the end of my fellowship, this gentleman helped me set up a pro forma and understand how to move forward with that. So I came back to Maryland. My wife and I did long distance during that year, which was tough, but she was incredibly supportive and she's a realtor in this area, so which was nice. So when I came back, she financially supported us. Mm. And I had the opportunity to find a loan, find a space. If by I, we, she helped also in finding a space, finding a loan, determining the architects for the build out, all these details wow. that took place. And I'll tell you, that was that was the toughest time. It was so incredibly difficult just sitting there. You're fully trained, you're ready to go. You have that excitement in you, but it's like, stop. You can't do anything yet. Right. <laughs> you have to wait for this to go. Right. So it took about, I would say about 14 months between finding the space the build out and such. Um, I do have to give a shout out to MNT Bank. They were amazing. Okay. I think they work great with small businesses and they gave me my loan and took a nice. shot on me. And for a person, so as a physician applying for a loan to start a business, you have no assets. You only have debt. Facts. Facts. <laughs> All you have is debt from school. Yeah. Correct. And uh, so that was interesting. But so I once the business was starting, I told my wife, we cannot we cannot have any vacation scheduled. It's going to be so busy. I can't wait. I was so excited. The first day I showed up an hour early before the office opened, was ready. I had checked the phones already to make sure they all worked and everything. And I left half an hour late that day. We only had one call that day. It was the wrong number. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. So it takes a while. Right. For what I do, it takes an incredibly long time. Correct. I don't work within a healthcare system. I don't work for a university system. Mm. All your clients come because they've heard of you. Referrals mostly. So you had to get your hands wet and get yourself integrated into the community. So I started working, helping emergency rooms with laceration repairs to the face. So I worked at GBMC and at St. Joe's and then you, other people get to know you and that's how you develop it. So my practice is mainly a word of mouth practice. Mm -hmm. From doing that, so you were, so you you were like I'm at this point you're hustling to get clients, and you're working through the through the hospitals and just whatnot. to get more exposure. And what was that? What was that moment when 
those doors opened. How did that feel? But stop, forget anybody calling. How did that feel? That journey of getting to the doors opening with your name and your your business. How did that feel? You got a few sleepless nights. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and you go is is this going to go or not go? You know, you're always comparing yourself. And um, you're going, and, and you know, everyone expresses their best version of themselves. And you kind of go, is that reality or not reality? And I learned that with my starting my businesses. Don't listen to other people. Mm. The truth is halfway there. Right, right. Uh, I think just strong family life, mm-hmm. having that support at home helped. Every time I would come home and question myself, I got the, you're going to do great. Mm. You're good at what you do. It's going to happen. Mm. And with... Uh, word of mouth business it's not linear it's logarithmic you touch three people those three people tell each tell three people it just grows and grows and grows and that's how it happens and in my field it's people can go to anyone for botox or filler they want to go to the person that they're going to enjoy seeing Mm -hmm. and the person that they trust is going to have their best interest in mind i love that because it kind of reminds me of when i started a podcast and like you said you know the first six months i had friends from college that I already knew that could be on the show. And a lot of people, what happens after the first six months or so, that's when you really find out with podcasts if they really are good because <clears throat> you've, you've run through your friends. Mm-hmm. What do you, what, how do you grow from there? How do you adapt and a word of mouth? Oh, this guy's doing this. Oh, this guy's doing this. Oh, and now I don't even have to look for guests. It's kind of like, oh, okay, okay. Cool, you know, like you want to come on, let's let's talk about it, you know. Um, and I like your story that it takes time, and if people want to trust you, it's like I'm telling your story, you have to trust that stories will come out the way you want to hear it. Just like if I come to you, I hope that you do what you do and you make sure I get the what results that I'm looking for. But you have to be honest as a doctor, this is not going to be what you may think it's going to be. We're going to get close enough. Is that some of the hard conversations you have to have with some of your clients? Well, so managing expectations is incredibly important. And I think that's, at least in my field in facial plastic or plastic surgery, where the doctor-patient relationship fails sometimes. Right. Is either the physician's too eager to move forward with surgery and doesn't really measure the patient's expectations. Um, So communication's key. And I really, really try to talk about realistic expectations. And my results tend to be very natural. And I don't go to the extreme stuff. Mm. And I try to make something that is realistic. So if someone comes in with a storyboard of 10 different celebrity noses that they want of a different ethnicity than they are, that's just not going to work. Right. Right. So, you know, just that. But you can't be like dismissive of someone either you have to understand where they're coming from right so i'm a big educator so the way i would start a consultation Aaron, if you would come to me is i'm gonna pretend like you don't know anything even though you know everything Mm -hmm. so let's start from scratch and we'll just use very basic terms and we have a long talk so i do the whole consultation it's not as if someone comes in and writes something in a checklist what are you interested in i come in for two seconds touch you and then someone else gives you a quote i Really manage it the whole way. I love that. That that's but that's what's all about. That's all about being personable and knowing your client and knowing the customer, making sure they feel comfortable. Because that's a major that's a major surgery that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you have to have trust and feel comfortable with the person, knowing that you know what they're going to make sure I look out for my best interests at the end of the day. Oh yeah, meaning and that's why I've had multiple generations I take care of already in this 
practice mm. that's, you know, eight years old. It's not meaning moms, daughters, their moms. It's it's just, I enjoy that aspect and it's such an honor. But it might be a personality strength, but it's also a personality flaw being that anal you know, as well. Because anytime a patient's not happy, I take it very much like, what can we do to make this better? Right. I can't just sleep at night knowing someone is not perf- not very ecstatic about where they want you're an artist you are is it is it has technology helped since you've been in the game when you started from medical school like as far as technology with how the image of how the face will look or how reconstruction like can it really pinpoint close enough to where people like oh this is what i will possibly look like or this will look like when it's done so that's a great, great <clears throat> question. So I'm like, again, I don't do any recon- very much reconstruction. I do mainly aesthetic surgery. Right. Um, but as far as that technology goes, it's been a plus, but mainly it's been confusing as well. Okay. Filters. <laughs> what people Love filters, look yeah. at Instagram oh, and no. they look at appearances and they want those results, but they don't know what that person looks like in real life. Right. And they want that face as their face. So that's very, very confusing. And they will come in wanting that result. And then the problem with imaging is I use it as a communication tool. Okay. But I never say, here's a picture of what you're going to look like. Mm. Do you understand? Because then people are married to that Photoshopped picture. And you shouldn't pick your surgeon as to how good they are at Photoshop. Mm, So what I often say to a patient is, go to my website. Look at my before and afters. That's the truth. Right. That's proof in the pudding. There you go. I, I I find that essentially you said fillers and things of that nature. And it's always interesting because I guess from my perspective, you know, do you find that a lot of people want to look like certain people out there? Or do you find that a lot of your customers say, hey, I want to have enhanced a different looking nose or I want my lips to be a little bit perkier or a little bit fuller. Things of that nature. Is that, is it, do you think, because they see it on social media, it's a pressure now to keep up looking that way. Oh, absolutely! Okay. Social media and then Zoom calls too. <laughs> oh, oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> because you're looking at each yourself the whole time. Right. That's during COVID, there was a huge burst in uh, <laughs> facial plastic surgery or plastic surgery. Did not know that. Yeah, because people were looking at themselves on Zoom and they go, "Oh, between my brow, I'm starting to see this line. I need to take care of that." Or, "Wow, my neck is really. <laughs> I got a double chin. I never realized that." Wow. Um, but. Again, I, I what I try to do when someone comes in with those kind of requests is I say just why don't instead of talking about what procedure you want or what technique you want, tell me just in general terms what bothers you. Mm. And then I try to present them with varied options. Mm. And then we go there. Do you understand? I like that. I like that. That that that's personable. But that's like you care. You're caring about Hey, I'm going to make sure the best result you want out of this whole thing. And project. a natural result. And if like someone that. asks me to do something outside of my comfort level, I'll just say, I, I don't feel comfortable. Wow. I respect that what you want to do, but I just can't do it to the level. How does that feel saying that to somebody? Have you said that to any client? Oh, of course. Is that pretty hard to turn down that? To, like, you know, like, you know, some people are like, this is a $10,000. You know, I, I'm, I can make this quickly or, you know, but it sounds like, like you are like, I have a conscience. I'm not going to go down this road. I take, I take out of a thousand compliments, the one patient not being happy will bother me. It's like the princess mm. on the pee. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I'm being serious. Like I, I, you can ask my patient coordinators that. I take it very personally. And, and not as a personal pride thing, but just what can I do? So 
if I can't realistically give you what's going to make you happy, I just say that. And mm. I think, and you, but you have to be respectful. You don't, mm. you're not dismissive, but you just can't also just say, oh, okay, 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 okay. And have six people that aren't happy because you just said, okay, okay, okay. Mm. I, I like that. Like, what have you learned about yourself during this whole experience? Like you might let's be open your own business. How many years have you been in business for now? So now we're getting, we're almost getting into eight to nine years. So, I mean, again, you've, you succeeded past the mark where most businesses do not make it. How do you, what, what do you see, how do you see yourself now? Like as far as, as a doctor grown? So there's a couple of things from a personal perspective. I'll talk to you in a second, but from a business perspective, usually now is when people decide, how do I want to grow? Right. Do I take on a junior partner? Mm. Do I bring in? A bigger space and add more treatment options and all that stuff, and that I am so anal I can't do. That. You get you want your hands on it. You yes. don't want you don't want to open another spot and have to be at two different spots. You have to you don't want to break. I get it. I get it. I my get patients it. have my cell phone, so they they know how to get a hold of me. They're not getting an answering service and all that, that stuff. So it's that's just not an option for me. I don't want anyone else having to do that. Um, from a personal perspective, it's it's. A gratifying experience, but you never take anything for granted. You always gotta stay. I don't. I don't like the term hungry, but always eager to be better. Mm. And I think self evaluation is important. And I and my group and I will often sit down and say, "What can we do better?" Um, if you lose track of that, then you will become a dinosaur and you will go down. I love that, and that's what it's all about. You have to get better. Every day, I always tell myself, how can I get better than yesterday? How can I be better than last year? Am I going to stay stagnant? Am I going to be different? Am I going to be something that's, I want to be in this guy's show because this guy's doing something different. And I always, I like that. I like, that's that's great. That's great advice for anybody who's listening out there. Yeah, I meaning like, I'm not going to do what I just learned yesterday, <laughs> the no. next day. No, but it's just, you always want to learn. And I'm really blessed that I know some of the best facial plastic surgeons in this country. And I can count them as good, good or great friends. Gotcha. And we often communicate and discuss with each other. So blessed in that capacity. I like that. I like it, Doc. I love everything you've told me. Where can people find your office? Where can they go? Let's find out. Because the phones are probably blowing up now. They're ringing now, okay? <laughs> but like, where can they, where's your office located? Where's the, uh, con- the, how to contact? Where can they go from there? So we're in the heart of Towson off of West Road, right on 100 West Road which is super nice. Uh, Sultan Facial, S-U-L-T-A-N, facialplastics.com is our website. It's got a lot of nice before and afters and information. And that's also our Instagram handle. And you can learn that. And then the best way to find out more about me is come visit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is it a free consultation? Yes. Okay. Com- we, I don't like the term. Complimentary. I need to come in. I need to get. I need a couple things fixed in my face real quick. A little. I have a scar from way back in the day. No, <laughs> I'm not. But but no, I I appreciate you taking time out your day. I know you're very busy. And I'm glad we finally made this happen. And I really appreciate your time because I tell people we can't get time back. And so I appreciate that, sir. Well, Aaron, I was really impressed when I met you. We had a really really nice conversation to the point that my wife had to separate. Us. Yes, we had a great conversation. And and I like talking to people who are doing great things. And that, that, that's inspiring. And I want the audience to listen to people like yourself. And you never know who's out there. It could be that doctor, that young guy who's like, I want to do this. I want, I, want, I want to learn a little bit more. You never know who's out there listening or watching. And that's why I wanted you to have you on. I know you were like, I don't really know. I'm like, come on. I know you, I know you can do it. I know you. And you're like, I've never been on a podcast. But 
It's just like me and you talking at the table again. It's just cameras around us. Yep. That's all it is. But I'm not gonna let you off the hook though. Sure. It's a speed round. We don't we don't leave, we don't let you off the hook. It's a fun speed round. Ready? Okay. All right. Chicken wings, flats or drums? Drums. Blue cheese or ranch? Ranch. Crabs or crab cakes? Crabs. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Snowball or ice cream? Ice cream. If I jumped in your car right now, what will be playing on the on the if you you hit play? What would play? What would be playing? One hundred five point seven. The fan. What gets you motivated before you go into surgery? What song? Give me a song. That, is there a song you play before you go in? I play country music. Okay, that, that lays you back. That gets you laid back. Yeah, okay. I love I love listening to all kinds. Morgan Wallen. I love country music. Do you play country music during your operation? Correct. Okay, all it's, right. It's peaceful. It's peaceful. Okay, all right. And it puts it brings good memories. It talks about the beach. Talks about all kinds of good stuff. I like it. I like it. And if there's one thing that you can look back at when you're younger self, what would you tell your younger self now? It's going to be all good. Don't stress the small stuff. I like it. You're off the hook. Again, tell us where you can, on what email, what uh, website you can find again. SultanFacialPlastics.com. Folks, you heard it here first. This is the guy to go to. I got to go get my face checked out real quick. And, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to look a little bit younger. Trying to get a young look, but, uh, I'm joking, but thank you so much, Doc, for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Aaron. It's a pleasure. All right, folks. Again, you can catch me at nopixoverdark.com. Shows come out every Monday on YouTube, on Tuesday, on audio, on Spotify, and Apple. Thank you so much. Love, peace. We're out.